Today on the Topping Show, we make accomplishments by 2030 goes viral. DeSantis' interview with Glenn Beck goes viral as well. Disney to fire Rachel Zegler from Snow White. Target is closing nine stores due to theft. Neil deGrasse Tyson's belief on gender fluidity is shattered on a podcast interview. Nissan Nismo will start at about $66,000 and with an automatic transmission only. Peloton co-founder is leaving the company. Ford is putting the temporary brakes on an EV battery plant. And Amazon is sued by the FTC in 17 states. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. Please me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, give me a free flamethrower with every September purchase. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn the additional details. And of course, yes, you can mount it to an AR-15 as all awesome accessories can be. Lastly, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September. So if you click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Nissan with their the Z, the 400Z, the Nismo edition will start at $66,085 and only an automatic transmission, a mere two pedals, that so much money and they won't even give you the third pedal as every sports car should have. Now the highlights was differentiated between the base model of the 400Z and the current Nissan Z Nismo, the upcoming edition trim level include 420 horsepower with 384 foot-pounds of torque. So a little bit, about 20 more horsepower and 34 pounds of foot, foot torque. A little bit more, not too much. It will have 19-inch forged aluminum raised wheels wrapped in the GTR's Dunlop R tires. Recaro seats. They have bigger 15-inch front Nismo brake rotors. Makes sense. The Nismo aero bits throughout, as well as a Sports Plus drive mode. Now, it's one of those things with the horsepower, throughout the years, as I become older and perhaps debatably a little bit more wiser, I realize it's more about the experience. And in certain instances, you don't need a lot of horsepower. I think the best example currently in terms of modern sports cars that focus on the driving experience and or just brute numbers would be Porsche, where many of their top vehicles aren't even breaking you know, what used to be rudimentary horsepower numbers, but they know it's all about the experience, which is why Porsche still offers vehicles with three pedals, also known as manual transmission, also known as the proper way to enjoy any sports car. Well, I would actually argue any vehicle. But nevertheless, it looks like the Delta, the price difference between the base Nissan 400Z, which I would actually debate is better because you can get that in a stick, which I do give Nissan kudos for that fact. That starts at $40,990 before the government steals, I mean, charges sales tax on that, which depending on where you live, for me, it'd be about 8.25% on top of that. And of course, all the registration fees and all that kind of stuff just thrown off the top of it. And then the dealer markup as well. And depending on where you are geographically and if you have a good mom and pop dealership and what that relationship is like, you're looking at a market adjustment, quote unquote, of tens of thousands of dollars, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a more of an entry level vehicle price point for a sports car or a sporty vehicle. Now, the issue with the Nissan Z, the, the, the Nismo edition, which is supposed to be the best their engineers can do, 
I mean, you have the price point starting at $66,085. Well, at that price point, you also have the Ford Mustang Dark Horse. That starts at about $60,000, so that's actually a little bit less. Then you have the Chevrolet Corvette Stingray. That comes in at a little, little bit more expensive, and by a little bit, I mean just a wee bit. That's $67,000. So that price, price delta is literally less than $1,000. Now, granted, some might argue it's a moot point because many of these dealerships are charging you know, $50,000 on top of the sticker price for a Corvette, which is ridiculous, especially because the Corvette is automatic only, really, General Motors? A vehicle that was stick shift for decades, had a whole fan group behind it. They just had to acquiesce towards having two pedals. And now they're even coming up with the electric Corvette. How the mighty have fallen. Perhaps GM someday will have an original idea to come out with a new product, but it seems like they're real they're they're very much dependent on old names. It's why the Camaro, which used to be a great stick shift V eight pony sports car, that apparently will come back as a four door E V sedan. Pathetic to say the least, I would say. Now with the Nissan the Nismo, they're saying the list price, the MSRP manufactured suggested retail price sixty six thousand and eighty five dollars. Which again show people on the streets will end up if they're foolish in my opinion they're gonna be paying what 100 grand 120 grand for this it's just ridiculous to say the least and the competition which the ford mustang dark horse i believe as every mustang should actually by default i believe that comes with three pedals although if we just search this really quick ford mustang dark horse stick shift it looks like, yeah, that does come with a stick shift. As I, was, I would argue, every Mustang should by default. And if you don't like it, you'd have to take a class and learn to man up, as the youth might say. Although, perhaps not the youth. That's a old saying, perhaps. Nevertheless, I would say an apt metaphor. If you, wanted to, if you truly think you deserve this type of vehicle, you have to train and actually work hard for it. Which I know is the antithesis to many people in the United States these days. Perhaps it just belongs in the culture section of the podcast. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see how well will Nissan do for this top trim line of the 400Z. I think it's great the vehicle exists. The fact that Nissan makes a sports car at all these days is pretty rare in and of itself. Most of the cars are pejoratively known as the Altima, which many would probably call the ultimate disappointment when it comes to build quality and just vehicles in general. But they do have the Nissan GTR for now, thankfully. But again, that's only automatic. So it'll be interesting to see, again, this is the track edition, supposed to be the best they can do. Are people really gonna to gravitate towards that? Or will they just buy the regular Nissan 400Z, which you can get in a stick shift, and do the upgrades yourself? Which, again, it's, you're getting better wheels, I mean, you're getting better tires, bang seats, rotors. I mean, a lot of those, there's a huge aftermarket community in terms of actual support and upgrading your vehicle in that regard. At the price point that the dealers are going to mark this up to, I can't help but think it's going to be reserved for collectors. You want to just put it, put that piece of machinery, a beautifully engineered piece of machinery, though not as beautiful as it, that had three pedals, put it behind glass and just stare at it, hoping it will appreciate in value, which perhaps it will. Nissan has committed. They've said they'll have full EV commitment by 2030 in Europe for those vehicles. It'll be interesting to see how long the United States gets the good old internal combustion engines from Nissan. Time, as I say, shall tell. 
Other interesting business here is they have the Peloton co-founder leaving the company. Now, this in particular gentleman is the chief product officer, Tom Cortez, and he's leaving the company after being there for about 12 years, and even founded it again with the co-founder, John Foley. Now, it'll, interestingly enough, it'll be replaced by a Silicon Valley veteran by the name of Nick Caldwell, who previously held positions at Twitter, Google, and Microsoft. So, big tech bohemus we've all heard of before, and with the exception of Twitter, you know, throughout the years just losing money precipitously, Google and Microsoft are pretty darn, pretty much inarguable in terms of their success, fiscally speaking. I mean, they basically print money for a living. So perhaps his hope is that he'll be able to do the same at Peloton, which traditionally has not been doing quite well. Perhaps a good metaphor would be the Microsoft Zoom when it comes to a return on investment. Not the best, of course. Now, it looks like when asked for comment, Mr. Tom said, quote, after nearly 12 years of pouring myself into Peloton and serving our members, I've decided it's time to move on and create a new space for new perspectives, unquote. Now, it'll be interesting to see where this goes because again, Peloton has had a lot of issues from recalls to treadmills that were literally deadly, unfortunately, to their core product. Their very first Peloton just had another recall, that being the upstanding bike. Apparently they forgot to calculate the average weight of an American because the seat post literally breaks off. And I'm only 18.5% kidding in regard to the weight joke. And again, ironically or interestingly enough, when asked for comment, when people said, well, okay, you're telling me not to use this because of the recall, should I cancel my membership? And they said, oh no, you should keep paying that month to month. You can technically pause it, but you should keep paying that month to month. And we've gotten to the point where there's now competitors. Legacy fitness manufacturers have now had the you know, they just did the good old copy paste where they just added a big old screen, which I kind of detest because it'll inevitably break, as well as charging a monthly subscription fee for their service. Personally, I prefer a good old fashioned commercial treadmill with very simple buttons that can't break easily because it's a damn near bulletproof design. So it'll be interesting to see their stock hasn't been doing quite well either. It's just been going down throughout the years. So they've got competition, they have manufacturing problems, you have a down economy, you've got 40-year hyperinflation, a lot of people are wondering, what can I cut from my monthly expenses of extravagance or extravagant crap you don't really need, such as streaming services, and in this case, a fitness subscription, where you have a person on the screen yelling at you. I, I did try out the novel idea at one time, and it was moderately interesting. I just, I can't imagine paying for that on a monthly basis. And granted, the, when it comes to the stock, it fluctuates literally on a second basis. As of the recording right now, they're at $4.52 per share. So since the inception of the original IPO, they lost 82.05% of their stock value. That, also known as that's terrible. And of course they peaked during the pandemic when everyone was forced to stay inside their homes. And unfortunately, I don't know if they, they should have reinvested into a newer product or a different offering, but their stock's been suffering ever since. The past six months, their stock has dropped 53.68%. Astonishing, 53%. And they don't even pay dividends. So, they're, so there's not much of an incentive to hold their stock if you're someone who does appreciate dividends being paid to you. So it'll be interesting to see the person coming from Google, Microsoft, and Twitter, will Nick... Caldwell be able to help turn things around? How many more negative fiscal quarters can they have 
before investors just all get scared off. And even as recently as a couple hours ago, half the articles about them are talking about their stock facing increasing uncertainty, which is a cliche, it's kind of a cliche excuse. I mean, that's even with my IT company, when we talk to prospective clients, a lot of people will use that just because there's a lot of economic uncertainty. It is kind of cliche to say, but no one knows what's going to happen for the election. There's a lot of laws, rules, and regulations that are around those things. So depending on how the election swings, your industry might face increased regulation, increased cost, at which point you would prefer to have more of a cash reserve as opposed to making investments perhaps now and having less resources in the future when you're being poked and bullied to do additional things. So let me know in the comments, do you think, is the Peloton just the idea defunct? Has it because again, now they have a lot of competition. Can they survive with the competition now in place? And what are they going to need to do in order to continue to grow and develop? I know they have, now they have many products. They have a rower, a treadmill. So they're, they're trying to diversify their product offerings, not just the bike these days. But is that enough? It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you have a Peloton? Was it affected by the recall? And then has your perception of the brand changed? Do you think they'll... Do you think they'll be gone in a couple fiscal quarters? Or do you think they'll actually make a comeback? Again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not saying go out and buy stock. I'm just saying it'll be interesting to see if they could turn this sinking ship around. Or perhaps a more apt metaphor would be, can they turn this rusty old broken bicycle down? Which is hilariously an accurate metaphor because one of the recalls is because their bikes would rust. Bikes that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. What are your thoughts? What will happen with Peloton? Other interesting business news. You have Ford hitting the brakes temporarily on their new EV battery plant. Now this is in lieu or in the same time of the unprecedented UAW strike. Well, that's not unprecedented. They love striking. If you actually pull the members, they, it's, what they, it's one of their favorite activities. But this is the first time in about 80, I believe it was 83 or 88 years we have three strikes at once, three strikes being the big three. So you have Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler, now Stellantis. They all have strikes going on because of the current contract negotiations. The UAW wanted 80 to $100 billion per manufacturer over the course of the four-year contract, which, if you look at the numbers, that would bankrupt many of them and make it, also make it so they can't invest in their future operations, which, again, they want to go all EV. I don't know if that's a prudent business idea because, again, they're going to try to compete with Tesla, who has a big advantage just from a cost perspective. Before this whole negotiation comes to fruition, Tesla has a lower cost per um, worker for the actual labor to assemble the vehicles. They also give them stock so that the workers are incentivized to work like hell, as opposed to traditionally at the UAW, they're incentivized to work just based on tenure, they get paid more. So I wonder if they'll ever, I wonder if they'd be open to getting stock options. That's an idea I've had to try to think of how to end the strike. But nevertheless, Ford's having all these strikes and the demand for vehicles also dwindling at the same time. We have record in, not only do you have 40 year hyperinflation, ironically, UAW helps elect politicians who cause that, but you also have less demand for vehicles because of all the high interest rates, which the government caused. So now they have to increase the rates. So interesting how that circle works. So there's not a lot of demand and Ford's going to build these huge manufacturing facilities for plants in the United States partially subsidized by the U.S. government with, I believe is a zero interest percent, zero interest loan for about nine point, a little over nine billion, nine, $9 billion. And they're gonna use this for the upcoming vehicles. So they had this idea and it looks like this particular facility was gonna be a $3.5 billion facility 
to manufacture their next generation lithium iron and phosphate batteries on u.s soil which i love how they there's a little delineation in the united states in order to have something called made in the usa by legal requirement it has to be 75 percent or greater components manufactured in the united states which is why it's disappointing to see you go to a hardware store everyone will say oh yeah it's uh, assembled in the united states or my latest my latest soapbox moment is with an annoying thing i see where it says made in the usa with global materials which again, they're trying to take advantage of ill-informed consumers who don't realize, well, that means it's not technically made in the USA. It's a, it's a marketing workaround, which don't get me wrong, I'm sure it does work to a certain extent. I know some people who purchase the products in part because of that, and it is better than nothing. It's better for local economy manufacturing, it is better than just importing it. So I do understand the benefits around the delineations. Now, it looks like the whole manufacturing of these plants, they're supposed to be a big win for Biden's goals of, alleged goals of slashing planet warming pollution and boosting domestic manufacturing. I say alleged because depending on where you live with an EV, you actually do more damage to the environment, not just because of the, you know, the lithium cobalt mines in third world countries where they actually use a lot of acids and just, just look up the images behind those mines, but also depending on where you're getting your electricity, if you're on a power grid where you get mostly from coal plants, well, ironically, you're doing more damage to the environment because your EV vehicle is being charged that way. Also, EVs, with the current technology you have, are disposable, very similar to smartphones. If you want to really help the environment, buy a Toyota Camry. It'll last a quarter of a century, hit a million miles thanks to the internal combustion engine and the brilliant engineering and quality that they have at that company. Again, right now, EVs are basically disposable. They're getting better in terms of they're getting more mileage out of the battery, the life cycles, but again, the, a lot of the issues is how do you recycle that battery? Recycling lithium is not easy, very cost prohibitive in many cases. It has just much, much more hazardous than, than lead-based batteries, which are much less volatile. But nevertheless, when it comes to this particular plant, Ford's decision, and this is from Politico, they wanted to halt the assembly. So it's, they're not canceling it completely. And it looks like the plant could potentially employ up to 2,500 unionized workers, which again, isn't helping Ford's case out in terms of their long-term profitability or even viability as these costs balloon exponentially. Now, it looks like in terms of the input from good old president of the UAW, Sean Fain, he, in this article, is noting how they've closed plants in the past. And he's, oh, this is, he says, this is from Sean Fain, again, head of the UAW, elected by the UAW members. And he said, quote, closing 65 plants over the course of the last 20 years wasn't enough for the big three. Now they want to threaten us with closing plants that aren't even open yet, quote, unquote, rather. Which, one of the reasons they closed 65 plants, because they weren't profitable. And hilariously, he's talking about, oh yeah, they're shutting down these plants. Well, they're also shutting down, well, this is in this case, this plant isn't open yet. Yes, because there's nothing there yet. There's no demand for the product when, again, we have record high interest rates for vehicles. So people are purchasing vehicles less frequently. And also why put money into this right now? So it'll be interesting to see what Ford is claiming. Now going to why they're saying the stoppage, you have a press secretary by the name of Stacey LaRoche and she said, quote, Ford has been clear that this is a pause and we hope negotiations between the big three and UAW will be successful so Michiganers will get back to work and do what they do best, unquote. Which Michiganers, Michiganders? My family always, always pronounced it a little bit differently when they were living in the up north. One of those fascinating things where 
I wonder what the real pronunciation is. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. But again, in terms of the future of EV and the batteries, it'll be interesting to see what the real demand is. Again, it also depends on how much the government bullies the automotive community to make more EVs. Consumer demand or could be damned. But again, I wonder how much are they saving right now just by pausing the production of that plant. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think this was done from a cost perspective? Or was it done strictly for contract negotiations with the UAW? I suspect it's the former and not the latter, partially because Ford has had the best relations with the UAW, historically speaking. They also employ the greatest number of UAW members at their plants, I believe coming in at 57,000 employees, whereas Ford and GM are in the 40,000s. And I believe Ford, GM was 47 and Stellantis, uh, Chrysler, they were at 42 or 43 off the top of my head. So I don't suspect that's the main reason why Ford is doing it. They pay more and they also pay a greater quantity of UAW members. Actually, I need to check on the pay more with actually their old contract. I'll be interested to see where the contract falls down or rather where the end results is. But let me know in the comments, why do you think they're pausing production of this new EV battery plant? Do you think it's because just cost? Or do you think it's because it's part of the strategy of negotiating with the UAW? It'll be interesting to see, but I know it's cliche to say, time shall tell. Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney fired Rachel Zegler. Oh, the, the former star. What's the opposite of a star? Hmm. The former Bud Light of Disney with their Snow White film. And just as a little refresher of you know, who is Rachel Zegler, I think... I believe her personality and perhaps lack of intellect can be summarized perfectly in a 15 second interview when she was on, I believe the Hollywood Hollywooders call it the red carpet. Although ironically, they should probably call it the blue. They should really change it to the blue carpet given their voting demographics. But nevertheless, going to this brief 15 second interview with Rachel, the, the infamous Rachel Zegler. I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, yeah. and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there's a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. I she mean, seems to have an abnormal, abnormal amount of teeth. Almost like a... Hmm. A jackal? No. A donkey? Per perhaps. So... This is someone who brilliantly decided they were going to get a role for an iconic Disney intellectual property, one of their best intellectual properties to date. I mean, everyone knows Snow White and the Seven Doors. And she took on the role, and every media interaction she's had, she's pejoratively talking about the film, insulting the creator, insulting the original idea, the concepts, and literally saying how the new one is going to have basically nothing in line with the old one. So the new one will have no prints, apparently. It'll not have seven dwarves because that apparently is pejorative to give them job opportunities. There's seven weirdos and one dwarf or a little person, whatever term you prefer to use. So they're thereby actually taking jobs away from people who could have breakout roles who are part of that specific community. All because you have a Hollywood elitist, what is that douchebag, uh, Dinklage? He says pejorative because he says the dwarves in the film lives in caves. So it shows how mentally vacuous he is. If you watch the original Snow White and the Seven Doors, they don't live in the caves, they work in the caves. So perhaps showing his elitist, he says they shouldn't work in the caves. Which, there's a lot of great jobs, don't get me wrong. 
If I can go to a cave and get diamonds and jewels like they did in the film that easily, they weren't using big machinery and taking geological mapping or any of that stuff. It, it was quite obvious. But nevertheless, it really has nothing to do with the original film. And I believe the original story is also... Who poisoned her? Poison Snow White. Which perhaps shows the last time I watched it, I was... Jeez Louise. Had me elementary school. So in the, the original idea is the evil queen was jealous of Snow White's looks. So she decided to jealous or to poison her. Now, in the new film, the evil queen is infinitely more attractive than Snow White. So another lack of continuity with the original film. Now, a lot of people are also saying Snow White, if you read the original manuscript and original story, they reference her skin being as white as snow, which makes sense. So there are also some people who were upset with the film being a cliche race swap where phenomenon you see in Hollywood, as well as especially Netflix, where they do the race swapping. I think a lot of people are annoyed with that because it's only one way. It's only old, historically white roles that are being changed to other melatonin, other melatonin featured races. It's a nice way to put it. So it's never the other way around. So I think a lot of people are upset partially because of the lack of well, logic, but also perhaps equality. Because again, it's only done one way. So there's a lot of controversy around the new Snow White to begin with. And again, every interview she had, she's saying how much she hates the film. She even, in some interviews, said she hated the ride at Disneyland or Disney World. Which again, they make a lot of their money from those worlds. Those things are huge revenue generators for the company. That's where a lot of their profits come from, especially recently, as Disney Plus continues to lose money. Disney Plus is not profitable yet. Their goal is for it to be someday. So she's basically made a career of being, for lack of a better term, insufferable. Which again, perhaps someone needs to update Wikipedia or Urban Dictionary, her picture would surely be there. And she was a star, but of course, like all Disney films, it looks like it's gonna be a big flop. And they apparently are firing her. Now it looks like the cost of production for that film, and this is by multiple third-party analysts and estimates, that cost to be around $336 million. Which again, people ask, why, does, why can't Disney make a profit? One of the biggest issues, in addition to making movies that can't sell because begins their politics, they remove, they remove all the morals and values from all the original stories. Disney is basically a rudimentary copy machine where every film and, and thing that they make is just a copy of a copy of a copy. And if you do that on a traditional copy machine, the image actually degrades every time. So... They, a lot of people say they're running out of new ideas or ideas at all. And one of the other issues is the cost of production is ballooning exponentially. Look at a Marvel film. Granted, it's basically just a supercomputer these days with how they make it. Those film budgets just defy all logic. It's gotten to the point where they can't make money on these things because the only conceivable way they could make money is if they sold billions of tickets and billions of dollars of merchandise. Which again, because of the things I just said previously, they're not really getting. Now, they say the production cost was about $336 million. But that's also before you have this awkward one-year post-production. And a lot of people are debating, are they timing the delay of the film because of Rachel Zegler? Or is it because of the political climate? Why are they pausing it? You see this with a couple of intellectual properties, I believe. What's a Marvel woman name? Marvel Girl, Marvel Girl or Captain Marvel Woman? Whatever that film is allegedly called, they delay that like three to four times? And every time you delay it, it's costing you money. Because one of the biggest costs when it comes to these films is advertising and marketing. 
So the rule of thumb in Hollywood traditionally is whatever the mo movie costs to produce, in terms of paying the actors, the editors, the, the costume designers, all those folks, advertising is usually double. So if you ever wonder how, how you're seeing so many commercials for a specific film, it's because they're spending a lot of money on it. A dis quite literally a disproportional 2x cost. So that means they're probably spending another, what, 700 million on marketing? So this need to make a little over a billion dollars to break even. And again, they're not the government. They're not supposed to be in business to break even, although that actually, that'd be good if the U.S. government could break even. More often than not, they're just increasing the debt thanks to both sides of the political aisle, unfortunately. But in this case, it looks like they're finally cutting her. So does that mean they have to do more editing to remove her completely? Which undoubtedly would probably increase the quality of the film. But again, then that also goes to the cost. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly they fire her. Perhaps they're just going to remove her from the interactive world of Disneyland and Disney World, and maybe they just want her to shut the heck up. Well, many people think that and wish that, but a lot of people, including myself, would think you could probably mitigate some of the negative, perhaps lost sales of Disney. I mean, if you just have her shut up. Because every time she talks, she hates the film. She, well, I. It's one of those fascinating things where... No logical company would hire someone to do that, and yet we see that more and more these days. Perhaps most infamous with Bud Light when they hired the brilliant Alyssa Heiderschild, the first, she bragged bombastically on LinkedIn, the very first woman in marketing for this alcohol beverage company. And in an interview, she said she didn't like the brand. She said, oh, it's kind of fratty, and she went on to destroy the brand. Both, you know, metaphorically and fiscally speaking, Bud Light losing $400 million in sales compared to the same fiscal quarter last year, that being fiscal quarter two. Terrible. But they hired her. And she was talking smack about the brand, and they, as a youth might say, and they didn't fire her. So it'll be interesting to see. It looks like Rachel Zeichler has also been cut from Paddington 3. And I know a lot of people are, all 18 fans of Rachel Zeichler are sorely disappointed. I know... It hurt. I, I know they're probably hurting really bad. Perhaps they'll have to just tune into her Twitter notes or whatever you call the videos. I know they rebranded to X, so it'll be interesting what they call the videos. But how will they get their how will they get their daily dose of insufferable Rachel Zegler? Now, do you think the film will make a profit now that she's out of the involvement? Do you think at this point, with how much they spent on Snow White, the film, and the marketing, and how much they'll have to increase the marketing budget? Is it possible for them to make a profit at this point? I can't but think the Magic 8 Ball would, for Disney, in this case, as most cases for Disney, the Magic 8 Ball, Magic 8 Ball would inevitably say the outlook is not so good. Other interesting cultural news. I try to fix my focus on the camera, which in theory it's working about 80% of the time. And I appreciate anyone who has suggestions for software. Currently using OBS as well as a mixture. This is a Kaizen Razer 4K camera. Still look for the software to do the picture-in-picture. Picture. Suggestions greatly appreciated. I tried some. Again, not panning out currently, but I am exploring, trying to find better solutions. Nevertheless, other interesting cultural news. You have Target closing nine stores due to theft. And of course, you and I can guess where they're located. New York City, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Ah, now, more specifically, it looks like they're closing them in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland, Houston, New York, and Seattle. Hmm. 
I take that back. That was a statistic from the crime on increasing exponentially. Now, nevertheless, it looks like the specific stores are, in fact, the first cities I noted, which you can't help but notice, and I can't help but notice from a cultural perspective. All those cities are about the same. Although it's hilarious, you ever hear a politician talk about their home city of San Francisco or New York City? They have their brand. Yes, they, they certainly do. I agree. They do have a brand for sure. Very similar to Bud Light. They have a brand. Yes, they do. Now, they can... When asked, you know, Target, why... And hilarious enough, if you look at where Target or how Target spends their money on a political basis, it's very much in line with these cities, almost as if they're voting for their own demise. Now, Target, when asked for comment, they said they're closing them specifically because, quote, they were... The cities were threatening the safety of our team and our guests and hurting business, unquote. Well, you get what you vote for. Interestingly enough. Now, some of those instances where, such as California... It used to be a federal crime if you actually stole something up to $950, I believe, that specific dollar amount. The people voted for a proposition that turned that into a misdemeanor. And that means, in terms of when you're negotiating with a public attorney, usually they're knocking down the charges so that you'll just do a plea. It's very common when it comes to public charges. And if you're starting for a misdemeanor, they're knocking it down even more. And given the district attorneys that they hire in these cities, they only prosecute crime. So they're getting what they vote for. They're getting the culture they want. And of course, it's incentivizing businesses to just be taken advantage of. Even is ridiculously entertaining and accurate. I believe it was a CNN. They did an interview with the CBS in San Francisco. And the interview was talking about shoplifting. During that, I think it was a six-minute interview, they actually witnessed someone just go in, take stuff, and walk out. No one stopped them. They just let it happen. And they asked the manager, oh, was that, was that a shoplifter? And they go, yeah, it was. Interesting. Now, it looks like the retail's shrink rate, which encompasses all stolen, lost, and damaged merchandise, increased from 1.4% to 1.6% in 2022. Now, this is according to the National Retail Federation, and that number is in line with 2019-2020. But stores are increasingly getting flagged for safety concerns, as well as being linked to organized crime. Now, interestingly enough, I'd love to know, because there are multiple definitions and multiple different studies. When it comes to organized crime, is that just like a group of people in masks? Is it the old cliche mafia from Detroit that we all... Well, I was going to say Detroit and Chicago. I was about to say that we all remember. They're still around. But is it like Nordstrom's? And Nordstrom's in Los Angeles, I believe it was six weeks ago. They had at least 20 presumably gentlemen in just dressed up in a ski mask and steal about $100,000 from the site. And of course, Nordstrom, like any prudent business, decided to get the hell out. I believe there's two stores left in San Francisco. I'm kidding. I know there's three. They have Salesforce. That's the one big business I can think of keeping them around in terms of having a big headquarters that supports local community. Most businesses with a modicum of intelligence for safety, tax, and a myriad of reasons are leaving. Now, from a cultural perspective, again, we're hitting... Four, I mean, Target alone, they said they estimate to lose $400 million in theft this year. The totals has is estimated to pass a billion dollars of store merchandise in the United States. That affects everyone. For the honest people like myself who actually pay for the goods that they want, they're going to have to increase the cost of the other goods that are on the store shelves because not everyone is paying for them. So, from a culture perspective, how can we fix this? Well, there's a major reason this continues to happen, partially because of the insurance companies, who they'll tell the stores it's less, you know, your rates are going to go up if anything bad happens. 
it's, they tell them it's best just to let them get away with it, which is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of you're letting them get away with it, so they're going to do it again and again and again. So, in terms of culturally speaking, how can we fix it? Well, a couple of things, I believe. One, get better insurance companies. Talk to the insurance companies and show them, here's the long-term life cycle of what you're allowing. Your costs are going to go up, Mr. In Mrs. Insurance Company. Not only morally should you be concerned about this, but physically speaking, it's hurting everyone more in the long term because you're incentivizing these negative activities. Secondly, you need to actually hire district attorneys who actually will prosecute something as opposed to just letting people go. That would be a big save. Now, lastly, we have a lot of veterans in the United States. Why don't you make them armed guards at these stores? Let these people know if you steal, it'll be the last thing you do. You'll be put in jail. You'll be prosecuted. You're going to spend years of your life in jail. We will not tolerate this from a cultural perspective. Your behavior will not stand in the city. Now, will these cities change? Hell no. It's, I mean, Portland actually had Chaz, where they actually shut down entire parts of the city, where leftists took over, and the government allowed it. Would that ever happen on the right? Oh, heck no. Just uh, look up Waco, Texas. And uh, yeah, you'll see the government doesn't let it happen on certain sides of the political aisle. But no, I, I doubt that New York City, Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco will change anytime soon even as they, again, are losing billions of dollars in businesses leaving and millions upon millions upon millions and millions of dollars in retail theft. So it's somewhat ironic that Target of all stores, given their voting pattern and where they support, they're shutting down these stores. Let me know in the comments, are you still part of the, uh, the I was about to say Bud Light boycott, that is ongoing. Are you still part of the Target boycott? Where, again, Target chose to sell satanic materials, and I don't mean bombastically. They actually had an enamel pin that had Satan on it saying that same respect pronouns and as well as having transitional swim gear for men as well as LGBT apparel for children that caused a boycott earlier this year where Target actually had their lowest sales in about six, was six years for one of the fiscal months. Needless to say, they did suffer a boycott. Are you still part of it? And if you are, do you think the boycott will increase or decrease throughout the year? It'll be interesting to see, but as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Neil deGrasse Tyson. And when I say business news, I apologize. I mean, other interesting cultural news. You have Neil deGrasse Tyson has his politically infused ideologies broken on a live debate with the Trigonometry podcast. Now, Neil deGrasse Tyson is actually one of the great examples of, you see a long format interview with him. And after a while, you kind of see the same things. And he's become, to many people, more and more insufferable. You could be telling him the cure for cancer, he wouldn't know. You could tell him the cure for to cure hunger or to cure anything. If you told him, he would never know. Because he talks over everyone. And it's one of those annoying things where after a couple of interviews, I stopped tuning into the podcasts that have him because you will never get a, the other person never gets a word in edgewise. And it's not really a constructive conversation. It's just him steamrolling the conversation. So not really entertaining and really kind of just got boring after a while. Now, allegedly, he's a brilliant scientist who's very respected throughout the scientific community. And then recently, he decided to start to examine politics. And in the United States, the big political and cultural thing in the United States is people who are transitioning as well as people who are identifying differently. And Neil, who is an alleged scientist, he said, well, there's no such thing as a gender binary. It's not as if you're born with certain chromosomes. It's kind of a mixture, kind of like a mixing... Um, so I'd say maybe a Shirley Temple. You got different parts, depending on what data is, whatever you want. And interestingly enough, well, there's a lot of backlash to this interview. 
And he first tries to address his original outburst. But then throughout the interview, interestingly enough, it's almost as if, again, you see the same thing or he won't let you get word in edgewise. And he, it seems like maybe he's mentally broken in terms of everything he's pushing is emotional rhetoric. He's not actually talking about scientifically quantifiable things, which as a scientist, one would think he would know that. So without further ado, and again, I appreciate your patience. If you know a good software where you do picture in picture in real time production, I'd greatly appreciate it. I've tried two or three and I keep having the same issues. So any feedback as we make the show better together, it's greatly appreciated. So without further ado, I will play the infamous Neil deGrasse Tyson. The XXXY chromosomes are insufficient because when we wake up in the morning, we exaggerate whatever feature we want to portray the gender of our choice. Suppose no matter my chromosomes, today I feel 80% female, 20% male. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on makeup, I'm gonna do that. Um, tomorrow I might feel 80% male. I'll remove the makeup and I'll wear a muscle shirt. Why do you care? Ah, uh, that, that, which is the most rudimentary political, I was about to say argument, it's not really an argument. It's more of a whiny thing. They always ask, why do you care? You see this in every political and cultural debate. It's mentally vacuous to say the least, but typically speaking, when it comes to certain political initiatives, you'll one be told, this isn't happening, you're crazy. It's not happening. Then you'll be told, well, yes, it's, hap it's just happening a little bit. Then you'll be told, well, yes, it's happening, but why do you care? Well, you're the one with this new idea. You're the one that's supposed to be telling me, you know, what's the upside of this? And then, you're forced to accept it, and then you're forced to celebrate it. That's, politically speaking and culturally speaking, that's how many new ideas have been adopted throughout the years. So that was his plea. Why do you care? And he sounds just like a rudimentary leftist political news anchor or a leftist activist, where that's just the emotional argument. Why do you care? Well, it's, again, you're supposed to be a scientist, Neil, or so I thought. What, 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 what business it, is it of yours? Wow, some people say I stutter bad. You just had three what what's in a row. Again, I'm working on that. Thanks to the comments, I know this is an issue. To require that I fulfill your inability to think of gender on a spectrum. My only point was that if who you decide is male and female in the street is a construct of of a chromosome uh, I gotta love any resets when you get the let's see here yours oh. gender let's go back here so now he's a pretend now he's going to pretend to address that clip as he's jump I feel bad for these guys they're, they're trying to interview him which again trying to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson as Jeez Louise, he's just going to, it really doesn't matter what you say, because he's just going to, he has his agenda, he has the messages that he wants to push. He, he really doesn't want it back and forth or an input. He just wants to be able to steamroll everything. My only point was that if who you decide is male and female in the street is a construct of, of, of style and trends and what the beauty industrial complex wants you to see, if that's how we establish gender, 
then maybe some people want to be fluid within that gender identify so they'll they'll wear a skirt but maybe have a beard or they'll I, mix and match that in whatever way wait, Neil, you want sorry, hold on, sorry. Hold on. i'm not wait wait i'm almost done Steam i'm roll. almost done so okay if a person using the tools of the beauty industrial complex wants to mix and match this yeah and they are expressing their freedom in a free country to do so mm. What? You're supposed to be a scientist. Now you're saying, well, it's about their freedom to dress up. Well, that's not the core substance of the argument that people are having in the United States about this cultural debate. But again, every time, I can't help but think every time I see an interview with him, he just seems less and less impressive, more and more rudimentary to say the least. Why is your job to tell them not to? Okay. That's my only go. point. And so That's... I, I'm speaking of gender expression and the yes. freedom to do so. And, and, and if, you, if, you if, if you want to restrict that, then what country wants, are you on, we living hold in? On. Steve, yeah, hold on. on. So first of all, I don't know a single person. Holy crap, this person gets an, a word in edgewise. I'm impressed. That usually doesn't happen. Uh, and I've talked, we've talked to trans people on the show. We have trans employees at Trigonometry. Uh, we, we've spoken to all sorts of people about this issue. I do not know a single person who wants to prevent people from dressing how they want or behaving how they want or choosing any name that they want. However, well, the wait, problem okay. is... So, so you don't... But you know such people are out there. I'm sure that. such people exist in the same way that there are people who you believe that okay. the earth is flat and so on. But yeah, they're okay. a tiny minority. They exist. It is I don't not know how tiny ti they are, given the dialogue today. <laughs> Fair but point. Go on. Fair yeah. point. However, what I would say is that the conversation in the public consciousness has become prominent not between people who want to defend the right of anyone to dress how they want and the people who want to prevent that. The reason the conversation has become an issue is that we assign and allow certain privileges to people based on their sex. If you are female, you get to go to places that only other females are in, like changing rooms and toilets and so on. If you are female, you get to compete only with people of your sex because females are at a disadvantage in physical competition to males in almost every sport. In other words, we carve out certain areas where your sex matters tremendously, even though we may respect your right everywhere else to believe that you are whatever you are, to dress however you are, etc. So your claim that today you woke up and put lipstick on and uh, grew your hair out long and tweezed out your moustache and whatever, and therefore you are female, has an impact on other people in certain contexts in which that is a problem. You and gave only two contexts. Do you have others? Sorry, I wasn't finished. And in, 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 in those contexts, it is essential, people would argue, to protect women from unfair competition and from various risks for which female-only spaces already exist. That's why people are having this conversation. Okay. It's not out of bigotry. But you have more than those two examples, and I'll address each of those in turn. But you have more than those two. Probably not. Okay, so, uh, so let sports. me address those two examples. <laughs> Do you have more than two? And he, guys, I speak up. Oh, pro probably not. Again, I should have brought a prop to this show today. A little model steamroller just with Neil deGrasse Tyson's face on, just pushing over these guys. Directly. I'll address that. Sports is very important. I, I, you said that. Female you have to spaces. I remembered. So, yeah. um, so, but you don't seem to have a third example. So, 
And even if you do, we presume that would be a very distant third compared to those two cases. The, right. No, there's a third one I can give you very easily no, in this me, country. For politics, we have female-only shortlists for uh, positions in, in parliament. Uh, therefore, oh, I didn't know about claim that. That's that, interesting. Okay. Well, that's another example. I can give you more. So uh, female-only shortlists, there are certain targets within corporations for uh, diversity targets to have a certain number of women on the board. Therefore, when you make a claim that you are female, you are attempting, whether intentionally or not, to insert yourself into categories that are deliberately designed to protect women's interests. That is the concern that people have. So there's four examples for you there. Please address okay, them. Sure. So I, I, interesting about the parliament. I have to look into that to find out what the... Is, is, it, is it try to ensure the representation of women? Is that the goal? That's correct. Yes, yeah, correct. Okay, fine. So that's a perfectly noble cause there. So... Is it? I always thought... You choose the best person for the job. But it looks like in Parliament, again, another country, looks like you just have to be a certain gender and they got a job right for you. So thereby, you could also argue taking away the best qualifications because instead of having traditional politics where anyone could be elected, you get the biggest sample size. Now they're saying, oh no, you can only choose from this sample size, which some sexists in the United States have done and we've seen out those outcomes are not so good. But nevertheless, let's get back to Mr. Tyson. Um, about uh, personal uh, changing spaces, okay? Uh -huh. um, uh, that's a solvable problem, of course. And we basically have accomplished that here in Manhattan, where I live. Uh, practically all bathrooms are either uh, multi-gender or, or solo bathrooms, so only one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Or you walk into a space and there's stalls that are closed off, but then you exit the stall and you come to a communal sink, okay? Yes. Yes. So it's a solvable problem. That doesn't solve safety or many of the concerns that people have. Where everyone has a private space rather than, uh, uh, for themselves, rather than having a gender private space, okay? That's, it's solvable. It's on a level, by the way, let me give an example. Uh, we have a school from the early 20th century in New York and it's, and I just saw it the other day. There's an entrance here and an entrance there. And this entrance says girls, and this entrance says boys. It's like, what the fuck? What? 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 Oh. You separate them just to enter the school? I can look back on that and say, that was ridiculous. You guys, what were you thinking? They actually have separate schools for boys and girls. The older I get, the more I can't help but think there's a lot of upside to those types of teaching institutions. But back then, I'm sure it made complete sense that you're going to send the girls through that entrance and, and there's an elementary school and the boys through that entrance, okay? So it is possible to look back on whatever you were doing and say, my gosh, that was really short-sighted and look at the solution that was proposed and implemented. That was a good idea. We moved on from that. Okay, so I remember boys' rooms where you come out and, you, you know, you whip it out, and we'd all be peeing into a trough, okay? We don't have those anymore. That we do, because we we're technologically <laughs> very far behind. Okay. Has he ever been to a football stadium or a sports ball stadium? They're most, I was going to say, even most men's public restrooms and washrooms, they don't have the virus. They might have a couple of urinals on the wall. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a and then we had urinals just lined up on a wall that was a little more private, and now those urinals have little small but real dividers. 
So you're not yeah. like looking over. So, so there are solutions to the privacy problem and we've all but solved that here. I can't speak for every state in the United States. Definitely here in New York City. The bathrooms, are, it's not, all right, that's that. Second, with sports, very interesting. Um, there was a case where a woman wanted to be disqualified, they wanted to disqualify her from a, an event. And she had very big muscles and she had naturally high testosterone levels, okay? And she was genetically female, but uh, unusually high um, testosterone levels. And so that weirded everybody out. So I'm wondering whether the future of those sports is you don't contest gender with gender. You contest hormone ratios. Well, hold on a second. What, but what the difference is the diff That's one of my favorite. That's one of those rudimentary arguments. That one dog only has three legs. Therefore, all dogs have to have three legs. Or, what? You're talking about outliers. But nevertheless, we'll get back to Niels and sufferability, many might say. Differences physiologically between men and women are not just hormonal. Women have a different hip angle. They have different heart capacity. They have different lung capacity. I mean, there are profound physiological differences, different bone density. We've had okay, so then we find, on the show so, to talk so about it. I don't have a problem with that. So then you find ways to slice the population so that whatever the event is, is, is interestingly contested. So, so does he want like a dozen different categories? Keep in mind, most sports are not profitable too. For example, I wrestled in my life. I was captain of my high school wrestling team. It would be unfair for me at 190 pounds, which is what I was back then, to wrestle someone 120 pounds. Hold on, it would actually be unfair for you to wrestle someone who is also 190 pounds, but, female but let me Let me work my way there. Let me just work my okay. way there, because you're, Fine. you're, you're, you are, I respect the, how active your brain is, but I've thought about all this and just allow me to speak it at the rate that I do. Okay. So, so, um, it would be unfair. So they have us in wrestling. They said, let's make weight categories. Okay. So they make weight categories. So I don't wrestle the 120. I wrestle 190 pounder. So a wrestling match is not just this one person against the other person. It's 10 matches. And each one is intensely interesting because they are matched, okay? So what the trans conversation is foisting upon us is the need to find ways to slice the athletic universe such that we still have interesting fair matches. And is it a combination of did you go through puberty um, uh, uh, as a male and then transition? Did you have puberty blockers? Um, what is your hormone level now uh, as you, if you want to compete? So it requires more creative thought. Rather than saying no to it all, let's be creative about this as we were with wrestling, as we, were, as we are with practically any other sport. In rowing, there's a heavyweight rowing and there's lightweight rowing. They don't compete against each other. Somebody came up with that to resolve the problem because more than one category of person wanted to compete. So I agree with you, it's an unsolved problem, yes, but it's not unsolvable given what we know about human physiology. So why not rise to that occasion and solve it rather than take your 
older view of the world. I guess I should also clarify in this video, interestingly enough, his hair is not blue or pink. Uh, it looks like his hair is the same as it always was. Very interesting. That I suspect that might change in the future, perhaps. And force modern emergent conduct of people to fit that. Uh, okay, well, can we just come back to the female shortlist and other opportunities that women are afforded by mm -hmm. virtue of being women? And them now being excluded from that because males are entering that competition. Yeah, so another, a deeper problem, thank you for bringing that up. A deeper problem there is... He still didn't address the issues of, if a man and a woman, if they're the same weight, you have, again, different bone density, you have different reaction times, different muscle composition percentages. But no, Neil forgets about those apparently. Or maybe he'll, maybe he'll maybe he'll bring it up in the next two minutes, maybe. Um, why were women underrepresented to begin with? What kind of bias exists within Parliament or among the voters, maybe even the female voters, that prevented the representation from being there in the first place? That that's a whole other social question that maybe can and should be answered at a deeper level. It seems like he's going to everything is a social construct. Science isn't real for Neil. Yeah, it rhymed. I'm a, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Aho. Uh -oh. Then a quota coming in after the fact. Oh, I, that, I'm not a fan of quotas, but th if they exist... That's how I would address hold, that question. Hold on a second. That's not addressing the question at all. The question is, female shortlist exists. Should biological males be allowed to enter those female shortlists? That's... That's as simple as, as the question is. Yeah, I'm saying you, I would ask why you have the short list in the first place. It's because there's something, there's something deeper that's wrong with society that women are underrepresented in governance. So to, to, so to say now, to, to protect that now and not try to get to the root of that problem, I think is the cart in front of the horse. So, so I would go deeper. To that problem. So but you don't there are have women to have whose, that question. whose opportunities are being curtailed today because they are being forced to compete, whether in sports or elsewhere, against people who have some kind of advantage over We're, we're in a transitional that... period. So we have to figure that out. But the, 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 the way to figure out things that require solutions to progressive change is not to regress it to how things once were. If that were the case, I would still be drinking from a segregated water fountain. The most cliche thing with every cultural topic we have these days always goes back to the same cliched example. Okay. Oh, let's merge the water fountains and let's, let's create the opportunities from below so that we don't even need the short list. Okay. That's how I would approach this. So yeah, it, we're in the middle of solving that problem now. Figure, let's figure it out together. I, I think uh, a lot of people would have an issue with what you're saying, Neil, is because they see women being denied opportunities. They see an unfair playing field, metaphorically and literally speaking. So fix the playing field, damn it! What, what, don't, don't say it's an unfair playing field, so all of a sudden the big... He's devolved into a political pun, to say the least. All emotion, no logic from Neil. Neil no longer keeps it real, as the youth might say. I'm sorry he's not crying right now, actually. Well, maybe he will. Got 15 seconds left of this highlight clip, so perhaps.
issue is trans women taking the slot of a woman in an unfair playing field. Fix the playing field. And you know something? The day you fix that playing field, this conversation will look completely ridiculous. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, oh, he got really bombastic. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, I do agree with Neil in the fact that it does sound, he does certainly sound ridiculous, he himself, actually. That is very true. Now, that clip on the good old Twitter, now it's called The X, got 3.2, no, 3.3 million views over the course of three days. Now, count but wonder, what are the comments going to look like? Positive? Negative? All yay? All nay? Let's dive in. Looks like one of the top, we have two. We have a response, and then someone who ratios them beyond all belief. So somebody by the name of Papalu says, quote, I thought he came across really well and brought up really good points. Fix the playing field being one and the other that quotas are a symptom of a deeper problem, which should be addressed. Agree or disagree with him, he always makes you think deeper or in ways you've never considered. All right. I can't help but think there's a Ukraine flag on his profile, maybe? No, interestingly enough, just in a New Yorker. So, the person who responds to that person is somebody named Neat Nigel Bartholomew Hogwallop LGB. Quite a long name, but nevertheless, a name. This person says, quote, does the hormone levels affect the heart and lungs? Quote, unquote, no. Well, absolutely, yes. Men also have bigger hearts on average, not just, you know, emotionally, but physically compared to women. Now, that person did get 154 likes, so I was going to say a ratio. Someone by the name of Arthur Advid said, Neil is solid here, unquote. That person got eight likes out of 2,000 views. Now, they were ratioed by Comrade Ptolemism. That person said, is this sarcasm? And they got 15 likes, so ratioed, as a youth might say. Now, it looks like... Somebody named Kristen, she says, just for me, LOL, I've never had days where I decided I was 20% male and dressed in a muscle shirt. I've had plenty of days where I didn't feel like putting on makeup or screwing with my hair. So up into a baseball cap, it came, goes with jeans and t-shirt. That never made me feel like a man. I can't imagine being so constantly confused about what percent of a gender you feel like on a certain day. He has always been quote unquote out there. But he's jumped off a cliff this time. Now, this person got 421 likes. Now, someone did attempt to ratio her. This person tried. So, this person's name is Atomic Cat and 15 others. Now, it looks like perhaps that uranium is depleted because not so atomic is this person's response. So, this person responds to Kristen saying, quote, just because you don't do it doesn't mean other people don't. Newsflash, random 40-year-old lady, but some people live different lives from you and have different experiences. Isn't that insane? Some people actually feel differently from you about everyday life, and ain't that just blow your mind, unquote. So I get a D-minus for grammar as well. Person, so Kristen, she got 421 likes. This person responding to her got one. Ratioed, to say the least. Now, not to brag, but when I'm on the Twitter sphere, I usually get two likes, sometimes even three, at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G, or my alternative profile, The Topping Show, for more fun facts. Let me see here. What are the other comments on here going left, right, up, down, sideways? Let's see here. 11. 
Ah, someone with the best, some of the greatest likes I've ever seen. So this person is by the name of Five Times August, said, quote, That face you make when you're dead inside because you sold your soul to the fake science and have to shill nonsense the rest of your life, unquote. And a person took a appropriate screenshot of Neil looking quite inebriated and upset. I got 2,375 likes out of 25,000 views quite well. Someone actually responded to him by the name of Richard Dick Whitman saying, quote, I feel 80% dinosaur today, unquote. And they got 80 likes out of 2,000 views. And it looks like... Somebody by the name of Will Harley said, quote, When we wake up in the morning and we exaggerate whatever feature we want to portray, why is he saying this obvious lie? Why have people started talking like this, unquote? Now, Mr. Will Harley got 291 likes out of 7,000 views. Looks like we have more. I'd say we'll do one more. We have a gentleman by name of Mr. McThickens, or doctor, I apologize. A doctor, Mr. McThickens, saying, quote, Especially shocked as Tyson studies a hard science, one deeply rooted in fundamental physical reality. Magical thinking has no place in objective physical reality, such as physics, yet here he is endorsing unspecific and woefully understudied gender feelings. This person also included a meme, or a meme, as youth might say, and it has Thomas Sewell. Thomas Sewell, the quote in the graphic says, quote, In democracy, we, always, we have always had to worry about the ignorance of the uneducated. Today, we have to worry about the ignorance of people with degrees, unquote. Which is a fastly growing sentiment. So it looks like, eh, I'd say 90 to 95%. All the comments just roasting Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then, uh, let's see here. Someone just saying as simple as, I so, or Mr. Roro said, quote, I'm so dislike Neil now. That person got 115 likes out of 4,800 views. Now, let me know in the comments, has this increased your perception of Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, or has it decreased it, or, oddly enough, is it about the same? Has your opinion about Neil deGrasse Tyson not changed one iota? It'll be interesting to see, but he is certainly going out his main purview of talking about asteroids and what used to be his core competencies being an astrophysicist. It will be interesting to see what this does to his reputation. But, you know me, as I always say, time shall tell. Going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek interview on his presidential accomplishments by 2033. A very ambitious goal indeed. And interestingly enough, it would be nice if more people actually did this as candidates. Not a terrible idea. It would be nice if actually politicians actually, you know, had a contract in which if they've made a promise on the campaign trail, they would have to keep it. Otherwise, they'd be voted out or they'd be, they have to abdicate that role and the VP will become president up until we find someone who actually keeps their word. A novel idea, perhaps too, too radical for today's political environment. Let me know in the comments if you like that, my little idea there. But that's just my two cents. Used to be, oh, three cents, really, unfortunately. 40-year hyperinflation, thanks to the government. Used to be two cents, but should be four cents. But general span, just my three cents for the thought. Though it is still free to click the subscribe button. So you have Vivek, he's had a little interview with Fox Businesses, and he has some text before this one-minute highlight clip. Now, the text says, quote, When I leave office in January 2033, 
Here's what I'll tell you we actually did. One, shut down the administrative state. Two, declare independence from communist China. Three, avoided World War III. Four, grew the U.S. economy. Five, revived national pride. Which, pretty strong list. Now it's about minute 33. I'll go ahead and we'll play a little Vivek. Although, in terms of names, I still prefer his rap name from college when he was Dubek. But that's just me. Just uh, on the matter of the debate itself, I mean, you're a very, very smart fella. Uh, what points do you want to push? We've gone through the border points. Um, you're very emphatic on that. I think you've got a lot of constructive ideas. Um, you know, pivoting. They can ask questions, but you can give whatever answer you want. Kudlow has done that for many, many years. I think you're pretty good at it yourself. What is the fake Ramaswamy? What key pinpoints do you want to make in this debate coming up on Wednesday? I'm going to be there at the Reagan Library, so I want you to tell me um, where do you want to see go? You then. That's, where that's, do you want to go that's on good this news. thing? Wait, so, just, just, yeah, give so us the, the question is where word. I want to go with this country. Yes. The debate's going to be about where do you want to go as a country. So when I leave office in January 2033, what do I want to tell you all that we actually did? I think shut down the administrative state. That's at the top of the list. That'll stimulate the economy by rescinding those federal regulations. Keep us out of World War III while declaring economic independence from China. But most importantly of all, Larry, I want to revive that missing national pride in the next generation of young Americans. Mm. And I think it will take someone of a different generation, somebody whose best days in life are still yet ahead to see a country whose best days can still be ahead too. That's why I'm in this race as a member of that new generation, and I think we're gonna be successful in hopefully re-inspiring this nation. All right, Vivek Ramaswamy, thank you for your time. You, you've always been very good to this show, and we appreciate it very much, and we wish you all the best of luck in the coming debate and the campaign. Thanks for coming on this evening. So interestingly enough, it's fascinating to think there was a time in the United States where children actually taught to be patriotic, they had American flags in the classrooms. Now they have political flags in the classrooms. And actually said something like the Pledge of Allegiance every day. I can't but wonder, let me know in the comments, when's the last time you saw a public school actually doing that? Usually it's quite the antithesis. They're teaching them to hate the United States. They're, the United States is all evil. Yet another, yet reason 9,998,875,433 to homeschool your kids or to go to a private school where you actually have some overview of the curriculum and what they're teaching. Fascinating how the teachers unions are scared to give that data away. They say it's it's not for you. Interesting. It's almost as if they're afraid of you knowing what they're really doing. Now, in terms of the feedback from this tweet, and again, this looks like his interview was a couple days ago. The tweet was published September 25th. And it looks like some of the top ones. A reoccurring fan, apparently. I see this gentleman time and time again on the Vivek Twitter sphere, or X, whatever you want to call it these days. Mr. Great One says, quote, My fellow Americans, what more could we ask of a president than avoiding war, securing borders, growing economy, restoring law and order, and reviving national pride? Vivek Ramaswamy pledges this and more, dismantling the unaccountable administrative state, declaring independence from China, and empowering citizens to thrive again. His crystal clear vision stands in stark contrast to the platitudes of polished politicians. Vivek is genuine article, a principled patriot and creative businessman committed to delivering on his promises through thoughtful solutions, not rhetoric. Friends, we cannot afford to stick with the corrupt incompetence leaving us directionless. Now is the hour to demand leadership that we deserve. Stand with Vivek as long as we have a champion truly of, by 
and for the people, our future again burns bright. Now, this gentleman, it looks like they've got 23 likes. It looks like it's one of the top ones. Let's see here. So, I'm looking at the other one, you have a couple perhaps joking or parody, not a parody account, but perhaps poking fun at the situation. You have Mr. Aliens saying, quote, actually, this profile, his name is Aliens. They have the Twitter blue check mark, meaning they're real. Who would have known? But nevertheless, Mr. Aliens says, quote, so you're running in 2028, unquote. That person got seven likes, which is a common theme. There's a lot of people speculating, you know, depending on how the legalities go with Trump, Trump is ahead of pretty much every poll for the Republican nominee. But Vivek, there's a lot of rumors, maybe he'll be VP. He's still at or behind, or he's very close to DeSantis currently in many of the polls that you see. So there's a lot of speculation of, you know, maybe you're not really, truly running. Now, it looks like somebody named name of Chili Zuziki said, quote, good accomplishment, America too, be great, be great again. And they use the two, like, two slashes. I don't, I don't think this person looks Roman, but they attempted Roman numerals. A little bit of a curveball for me. They got seven likes. Let's see here. Someone says, sounds like an ambitious list. Let's see. Looks like we have... Someone really doesn't like Vivek. This one, by the name of Human, which he has a Ukrainian flag, Ukrainian flag. His name is Human, and he has a peace flag, the Ukrainian flag. Interestingly enough, it does have the American flag in the profile, which is very unusual. This person is from Milky Way Galaxy, planet Earth. Many signs of insufferability, to say the least. And it looks like every one of his tweets is a rant. Let's see. Mostly rants against Trump. But nevertheless, it looks like he's pivoted to over to Vivek. And he says, geez Louise, this is quite a long book, which is Interesting how much some time people have on their schedules to permit this. Nevertheless, I'll read at least the first half of this book that he wrote. Mr. Human wrote, quote, Are you running for Mr. Universe? There are several detailed reasons why Vivek Ramaswamy would not be the right person to serve as President of the United States. Firstly, although he doesn't have the courtesy to label these 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 numerically, lately enough, he just has the slash mark behind every point. D- minus for formatting. Formatting does matter, folks, and grammar. Nevertheless, his first attempted point is promotes climate change denial, making a scientifically accurate, inaccurate claims that CO2 emissions from volcanic volcanoes exceed human emissions by dismissing climate change as a hoax, hoax defying the consensus of climate scientists. 97 to 99% of climate scientists. Which again is argument in and of itself. If I'm a Tumblr scientist, I will surely want more tumblers to exist because it guarantees me a job, rudimentary speaking. But in terms of Vivek's coverage on the climate change, he doesn't deny it. What he, his main point of contention seems to be the industry is blooming around it 
and how it's artificially kneecapping the United States, especially with regard to manufacturing and businesses. So again, he's saying, yeah, the climate changes throughout the years. Of course, there probably is a human um, mechanism to it, but all these rules you're doing are helping out other countries and won't actually fix the problem. So I guess that's my point of contention with his point of contention. Now, his second one says, reckless, and this is again why he claims Vivek would not be a good candidate. Ironically, I think these latter points are making him a good candidate. Now, he says, quote, proposed reckless policies like eliminating vital federal agencies, including the FBI, the FDA and EPA, Department of Education, which would severely damage national security, public health protections, environmental oversight, education opportunities. Yeah, the good old FBI calling parents terrorists because they went to school board meetings and asked them what's on the curriculum, and they read them books saying, hey, this book is depicting sexual acts. Why is this in the classroom for an elementary school child? You're saying I'm not allowed to read this book here because it's not appropriate, but why is it in a book? Why is it in a classroom for elementary school children? Ah, uh, yes. The, the, and then the EPA. Everyone, everyone definitely trusts the EPA and the FDA, of course. And another point, ironically, he says this is why he shouldn't vote for him. He says, quote, claimed he will eliminate 75% of federal employees, which would cut over 1.6 million in good good paying federal jobs and crippled government operations. Well, good paying is also a nice way of saying overpriced. Yeah, and when it comes to 70, getting rid of 75% of federal employees, like most, actually it's worse than a big business in terms of, there's a lot of fat in terms of the federal government. There are a lot of jobs that do not need to exist. And it's quite perverse actually, when you look at the resource allocation of where they're, what they're doing, where they're doing it, and what rights they're actually trampling on. He says, He's calling for a resyndication of 50% federal regulations, which would remove many important public safeguards. No, I think that would be great, actually. One of the issues with the United States has become so bloated and bureaucratic. There are so many laws. Is There's actually books written that you break a law by the time you go to work every day, or you break 10 laws by the time you walk across the street. Something to that effect, because there are so many ridiculous laws, they never go away, which, again, is a huge issue. They says, let me see here. Jeez Louise. Most of these are just leftist puns. But nevertheless, this person, Mr. Human, and geez Louise, I'll like go to the Twitter profile, read out the rest. He has, let me just say this, human has a lot of time in his hands. Perhaps not a lot of brain cells, but a lot of time. Now someone responded, and he did get 65 likes, so it is resonating with some people who do not like Vivek, which is why I brought it up, it's one of the top comments. Now someone responded saying, this person says, it's a hammer, Perhaps it's a pun because the picture is a shovel, or it maybe identifies differently. This person says, you copy-paste this drivel every time you see his tweets. If you if you find a life anywhere, grab it. G-luck, which I suppose is shorthand for good luck. person got six likes out of 385 views. So it looks like, uh, let's see, something by Brodo Speck said, quote, I love it, Vivek, and I'm confident you can do it. Gets 21 likes. Uh, the Laughing Storm says, I'd be happy with just one of those, getting 10 likes. So it looks like... Overall, I'd say 95 to 96%. Uh, yeah, it looks like overwhelming positive. You do have a couple of negative, you always will. But in terms of this tweet going viral, I mean, 
got like about a quarter million views in it pretty quickly and seems to be getting more and more traction with the comments. So let me know, do you think these would be exceptional accomplishments if he were to achieve all of those by 2033? I wish he perhaps elaborated a little, eh. I mean, some of them would be byproducts in and of itself. I wish he elaborated more on restoring American freedoms, American rights that we've lost throughout the years. So it'll be interesting to see how this resonates with folks further. Let me know in the comments of the top five that he noted right there. What do you think is the most important? Shut down the administration state, declare independence from communist China, avoid World War III, grow U.S. economy, five, revive national pride. Five good points. What do you think is the, what's your favorite? And also, most also equally as important, what do you think he should highlight throughout his campaign that might resonate with the greatest number of voters and prospective voters? It'll be interesting to see how this may help or hinder him as he continues to go. Other interesting political news, you have DeSantis' interview on Glenn Beck covering illegal immigration going moderately viral. Again, this is directly from Ron DeSantis's Twitter, or I guess now you call it their X page. And you have, and he's getting more and more traction. Looks like a couple, couple of, and yeah, there you go. So he used to get maybe 20 to 30,000 per post, but no, actually, so his past few weeks, he has been growing exponentially in terms of the viewership on the platform, formerly Twitter, now X. Now, it looks like he sat down with Glenn Beck for a quick interview. This one quickly gathering a quarter million views in 24 hours. I'll go ahead. It's about three minutes long. And the text before the actual clip, he says, quote, they're all going back, unquote. Again, if you have a suggestion for software for in-production picture-in-picture, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm currently using OBS, open source software, with a 4K Hyperkin, not Hyperkin, it was the Kaizen, Razer Kaizen webcam USB. So I appreciate any suggestions and I'm trying to make the show better throughout as we work together and try to get good picture in picture. But the last two softwares I tried, it just keeps crashing, especially the webcam just won't work in the same time as you have a clip or another little window on it. So I appreciate the feedback and I do want to try to keep making the show better and better as we continue to, and I appreciate you tuning in. And of course, clicking the subscribe button. So without, Further ado, we're averaging 9,000 per day. Averaging, I know it's more than that on some days. H how much before? I mean, New York, man, I could punch those people in the face. <laughs> They're now saying, but we can't survive. Try being Texas or Arizona or even New Mexico. Um, how long before we have irreparable harm done where you? have population in your country that is as big as a big state and they're not part of your culture well when i when i get in they're all going back i mean that's the easiest to do that well you know they've been given court dates they have paper so you now have these people biden is registering these people a lot of them are registering with the federal government before they cross the border saying hey i'm coming illegally i'm going to go on this app and fill out it's insane so we'll use that uh to do because i think it's important that, that that's done you can't you, i want a wall i want all that 
But if you aren't going to have a sanction for coming illegally, then you're going to continue to deal with this problem one way or another. So, so that will be a sanction you know, that we're going to enforce. It hasn't been enforced uh, really for many, many decades, probably right. all the way back to Eisenhower, right. where we really had it, had it strong. So we're going to do that. You have to establish that. We'll work with Texas. We'll work with Arizona, whoever wants to help us to be able to get that job done. But it is already done incalculable damage. If you think about because. We did the illegals to Martha's Vineyard um, last year, and um, you know, the Martha's Vineyard, they actually had uh, an office in their downtown that was purported to be a refugee welcome center saying nobody's illegal, I was welcome. Now, they had never actually used it, so yeah. these 50 show up, and they, they, they freak out, they call in the National Guard, they deport them off the island, um, all this other stuff, and, and it was just like, you know, uh, he was like, you gotta be kidding me um, with this. So just with that, you know, they said in the, one of the wealthiest enclaves, off-season, they had a lot of housing. They had all of that there. But the thing was, was people thought, oh, it's going to hurt him in re-election because he's got the Venezuelan Americans down in South Florida. They're going to be mad at him. Well, guess what? I go down. Next time I was in South Florida, I got guys coming up to me, high-fiving me, like, we're Venezuelan. Thanks for doing it. Because uh, they're concerned about Maduro emptying prisons uh, and sending people to the border. And I think other countries... Um, in, in Latin and South America are doing it. So you end up having people, we don't know who they are. There's Russians coming in across the border. There's Iranians coming across. There's Chinese coming across. I look at it and say, is there any way possible that we don't have a terrorist attack in the future that can be linked to somebody across the border? No, it, not of a course chance. it's going to happen. Of course it is. So it's already been incalculable. We'll do a big, um, a big repatriation and then stop the insane policies. Like, yeah, we'll do the wall. But you shouldn't even entertain these claims where you're giving them a court date three years. Just have them wait on the other side of the border. That's that's what we got to do. That, when you look at the immigration policies throughout the years, that was one of the biggest deltas or differences between Trump and Biden. It used to be you have to wait for your court date back at your home country or in Mexico. And they pivoted it to now where you just come to the United States. So typically speaking, when you're looking at this situation, they'll come, they'll take the first court date. And then they just won't show up for the second court date, interestingly enough. Now, in terms of responses, it looks like one of the first ones is Mr. Noah Hark Money. Interestingly enough, does not have a profile picture of money. But this person says, quote, Trump 2024, unquote, getting, and he actually has a picture of Trump at a table. And it says the lion will be back, which how has no pun been made before about Trump having long golden hair and a line? I, I can't believe this is the first time I've seen this type of a pun or observation. Nevertheless, other comments by the name of Kevin. He says, quote, we need you, Ron, unquote. He got 28 likes, though he was immediately ratioed by someone called the JL Podcast saying, no, we don't. And that person got 65 likes compared to the person saying we need Iran getting 28 likes. So as a youth might say, he eventually got ratioed to say the least. Now in terms of other top comments, some by name of Paul Wazicki says, quote, what we need you to do, bravo. Got eight, this person getting 18 likes. Some by name of one Captain Kid saying, quote, if every Republican would say and all illegals are going back, the flow would stop, unquote. Person got 14 likes and 429 views. Let's see here. Let's see, somebody named Tracy Smith said, quote, 
why don't you stop lying? Do you see them not arriving in Florida? Unbelievable how he lies. Wow, unquote. First, got 23 likes, although there are some responses. Uh, let's see. So, no. Let's see. Somebody named a banana Republican said, quote, I know you'll actually deliver on that promise. Thank you. It needs to get done, unquote. That person got 34 likes. I have 1,800 views. Or, sorry, 1,100 views. Uh, somebody named of SS or SS Comb. This person says, quote, correct. President Trump will be sending them back. Glad to see that you agree with his policies, unquote. That person got 47 likes out of 852 views. Someone named David in Washington said, quote, no mincing words, just a promise, and a and Governor DeSantis keeping his promises, unquote. Person got 29 likes. So it looks like... Hmm, uh, I'd say about... Let's see here. Some, again, the JL podcast posted an individual response, not, re, um, not responding to a response, as grammatically awkward as that might sound. And he says, quote, Ron DeSantis wants to get rid of immigration because he's worried about culture. Ron DeSantis is really worried about white ideology. Ron DeSantis is unfit to lead anyone. A person got 57 likes for that particular comment of 693 views. So scrolling down more and more. Let's see here. I'd, mm, let's see here. I've never seen the invasion. Let's see. Someone by the name of... Janin Curran said, DeSantis will do it. I've never seen a political leader so laser-focused on delivering results in my lifetime. And she got 108 likes. And she also did a little clip of DeSantis speaking. So I'd say, eh, promises made, eh. Unrealistic, says Micah D. I'd say about, eh, let's see here. I'd say about 60% positive, 30% saying Trump. And then the rest just kind of miscellaneous. This doesn't even look like proper English. But nevertheless, it does look like the majority were positive responses. And it looks like maybe he'll start to pick up some steam on social media. Again, there's a big debate of how much does social media really correlate when it comes to people actually voting in person. Well, nowadays I know you vote any way you want, apparently in the United States. But I guess the real question is, what's the correlation between social media interaction and positivity and getting the actual votes? So it'll be fascinating to see how that translates as we have more and more of these polls for the Republican primary and who may or may not brew to the surface. Now, let me know, do you think this will pro help propel him further in the polls ahead of the competition? Or do you think it'll hurt him in any way? Or maybe it'll just kind of keep him where he is at for the moment. It'll be interesting to see and love to hear what you have to say. On to the business blunder of the day. You have Amazon sued by the FTC in 17 states. Now, it looks like the federal government has accused Amazon of illegally establishing an online monopoly and negatively altering the online shopping experience for consumers. Now, they alleged that Amazon pressured sellers not to offer lower prices elsewhere and to use its logistics service for shipping, which in and of itself, I don't see how that is out of the ordinary. When it comes to a lot of manufacturers, they'll have price minimums. And 
I could certainly sell, see them not wanting to have the product sell lower elsewhere. Um, in terms of technology, if you look for enterprise technology, when I'm selling peripherals for my tech company, there are actually rules saying you cannot advertise a product for sale below a certain price point. And that's mostly in regard to advertising best practices. That's why there is a legitimate reason why for certain websites, they will only show you the real price if you put it in the basket. It's also a psychological um, sales methodology because it's already in your basket, but there is a legality or rather a contractual reason in some cases they want you to put it in the basket because again, seeing your basket individual over shopping is different than just having the logo on the website where anyone can see it. So there are certain laws around minimum advertising prices or again, not laws, contractual agreements. Now it comes to selling at lower prices, I can't help but think that's also similar to other business interactions where if you have a contract with Amazon or maybe you win a contract with Walmart, life changing, they certainly don't want you to sell it at a lower price point. And in terms of using this logistic service for shipping, it's also not only just a value add, but it's also a way to help Amazon because it's bolstering their business. Because even, even if the consumer doesn't directly pay for shipping, and let's say they have Amazon Prime, well, that cost is still allocated towards that account, towards that product, and Amazon can help justify Amazon Prime and as Amazon logistics arm because it's being utilized more and more. And they're trying to grow that part of the business more and more. This is why I always tell people, UPS should have been very careful with the contract negotiations with the union. Because again, long-term, Amazon is continuing to build out their logistics capabilities. And Amazon is going to, I think long-term, going to take over the market lead for you know percentages of packages shipped around the United States or FedEx and UPS in the next couple of years. Because they're building it out exponentially. Now, it looks like the allegations also say that Amazon says, or Amazon claims it's changing the way it's doing business would raise prices, slow shipping times, and hurt small businesses. And this appears to be a trend of the government starting to go after larger tech companies, including Google and Meta. Now, they seem to be taking a bite at these companies, but does the bite have any teeth? Is there really a threat or like many political things? Are they just doing things to look like they're doing things? We see this all the time in politics on the left and on the right. We'll have, they'll have hearings, they'll have committees, but does anything really get done? Or is it really just a little slap on the wrist? which is what I can't help but suspect here. It'll be interesting to see if these lawsuits are actually, if they're successfully sued or given Amazon and sued to change the action, or do they just settle for an undisclosed amount or they just pay a fee to make this temporarily go away. But it'll be interesting to see, let me know about that business practice. Does it sound unfair if you're getting the privilege to use the largest e-commerce platform on, on the planet? Or do you think, not so much. Let me know in the comments. I'd be fascinated to see what you have to say. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. I really appreciate it. Don't forget trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September. I know it's a tall order, but if you click that button, I greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget Type Technologies is giving me a free flamethrower with every September purchase. Yes, you can mount it to an AR-15 like all awesome accessories can. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn a little bit more. And also, don't forget to take the time to like and comment. The feedback is greatly appreciated. Trying to build this out better and better. Trying to find a software that will do really well in terms of production, picture in picture. So I have clips above me. I've tried a couple, but they keep crashing. So suggestions are greatly appreciated as we make the show better together. So comments and likes are also appreciated. Lastly, and also don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.